0: Welcome to Two Chicks, Three Seats, the podcast that takes a look at the hospitality industry's hottest topics. Two Chicks, Three Seats is hosted by Kate Kennedy and Rachel
1: Calkins and is brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader in event management software. Find out
0: more about Triple Seat at (laughs) TripleSeat.com. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Chicks Three Seats. We hope that all of our event professional listeners out there continue to see success in August and prepare for all of the great things that are coming this fall and beyond. For today's episode, we are joined by a special guest and digital marketing expert, Rich Brooks. Rich is the president of Flight New Media, a full service digital marketing agency in Portland, Maine. Rich is a podcaster himself and has a show called the Agents of Change Podcast, which is just reaching the 450 episode mark this week, where he interviews fellow marketing experts around the world. So congrats on that 450 milestone, Rich.
2: Thank you very Um, much.
0: Rich also started the Agents of Change Digital Marketing Conference, which takes place also in Portland, Maine. And finally, if you're attending Triple Seat's event camp on September 13th in Boston, you will actually be able to see Rich in person because he is one of the speakers for a marketing session. So we're also excited about that. A lot of Rich on the Triple Seat upcoming itinerary. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Rich. Thanks for being here.
2: I'm very excited. Rachel and Kate, thank you so much for inviting me to this.
0: Absolutely. Of course. So that was a brief little professional intro about you, but from a little research and just on your website and hearing that you're from Portland, Maine, we want to have a quick little question for you on the personal side. And we appreciate Portland, Maine also being from New England, the both of us too. So for some restaurant recommendations up in Portland, what do you, what do you have on your list?
2: It's so tough, right? Because I get all of these Facebook requests from people I haven't seen in 20 years. And like, oh, Rich, I'm coming up to Portland. Where should I eat? And I'm like, well, how long are you going to be here? Do you have kids? Is this a romantic? Like there's too many choices, (laughs) if anything, in Portland, Maine. Um, But some of my favorites that I regularly go back to, Via Vecchia is one of my favorites. Great Italian food, great vibe. And by the same owner, more of a bar than a restaurant, but they do serve food there is Blythe and Burroughs, which has a hidden bookcase that opens up into yet another bar as well. So that's always good if you want to impress somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have, you know, like my little favorite haunts where I go for lunch when I'm in the old port working like Anthony. So there there really are too many places. Oh, and then Local 188 has been probably the longest running restaurant that I still go to regularly because it's sometimes challenging for a restaurant to stay relevant for all those years. And Local 188 has done that.
1: Yeah, Portland is like crazy when I come, I feel like every time I go, there's like 10 new restaurants that are around. Uh, we can't even amazing. keep up, yeah. 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 And so, we love eating out. Yeah, I know, we eat out all the time. We live near Portsmouth, New Hampshire, so I feel like- Another it's,
2: great little town.
1: Yeah, it's got a similar vibe, but there's definitely more like foodie restaurants in Portland, I think, so, yeah.
0: We'll Too many there. restaurants, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, we do want to
1: keep this episode a little different from your event camp presentation, but still we did want to start by asking you about the digital marketing formula that you recommend to your clients called the bare essentials of digital marketing. Could you explain this concept a little bit and why it works for your clients?
2: Absolutely. So, Bear Essentials. Bear is an acronym. Like all good marketers, I come up with acronyms so I can own the IP, but uh, it's build, attract, retain, and evaluate. And, and it came about because so many of the businesses we work with, both in hospitality and outside of it, don't really understand what it takes to develop an effective digital marketing strategy. And although every business is different and the customer journeys are different... I found that this is a nice, flexible framework for anybody to use to develop a digital marketing strategy that's going to drive traffic to the website and convert into business. And very straight, you know, very simply, build uh, B is for build, and this is about building a platform that turns visitors into customers or clients. A is attract about how the customer journey is working and how we drive traffic to our websites primarily through search, social, and digital ads. For the hospitality industry, we're definitely also talking about review websites and uh, third party booking sites as well. R is for retain. How do we stay in front of our clients after they left the website? And I would say email marketing and SMS marketing, probably the strongest too, although socially, social media can play a role there too. And finally, E is for evaluate. And this is just about taking a look at your Google Analytics or soon GA4 yeah. to find out what's working and what's not working as far as your online presence goes so that you can continually improve it.
1: Literally what I do at Triple C. <laughs> there you go. You just explained my job. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, except it sounded a lot better when you explained it than when I try to explain it to somebody. So thanks. Feel free to
2: steal the bare essentials and just use it. I might steal it.
0: (laughs) I love it, and we always love a nice acronym, so it's easy to remember things. Quick, quick ways to do that. Yeah. Um. So when working with hospitality customers, first of all, with Flight New Media, what kind of businesses or do have you been working with hospitality businesses like restaurants, hotels, event venues?
2: More on uh, the event venues and th- than the restaurants per se. We may have done a little bit here and there with restaurants, but we the event uh, venues tend to be something where we've had more experience. And I've done a lot with um, uh, well the events because I've done a lot with Main Innkeepers, which is now uh, a bigger organization that's names currently escapes me. So I've done a lot of marketing with them individually, as also putting on entire full days. Just for that audience.
0: Okay, cool. I actually, when I was looking at some of your clients, you do have one of our competitors to Event Up, which is our venue directory, as one of your past clients, which I thought was funny too. <laughs>
2: which one was it?
0: Um, event Active.
2: Oh yes, and they're local.
0: Yeah. It was. Right, it was right.
2: more of a one-off. They're right. nice people. I'm right. sure your product is excellent, even better. <laughs> I don't know. I can we? Can we edit this part out? No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs>
0: Had to, had to bring it up.
1: Could it not not? <laughs> <All laughs> right. Nope, we're not editing that out. No, All
0: kidding. right. Um, now I'm blushing. So what do you see for any of like the event space businesses or who you've worked with in the hospitality industry? What do you see as the most common mistake that they're making with their marketing strategies?
2: With their marketing strategies? Um, I think basically it's just not really paying attention to what the customer journey is and how it's evolved over time. Now obviously, Covid had a huge impact on the hospitality industry, maybe more than almost any other industry out there. Since we work both in and outside of the hospitality industry, you know we see that it's you know some businesses actually thrived during Covid and others really took a hard hit. So I think not understanding that everybody wants to self-serve this these days, that the pandemic took so long that we learned new skills, that we feel more comfortable online, and we feel more comfortable with Zoom and video and things like that that I think is a big part of it. So it's really about how do people find out about my business? What does that customer journey look like? And then setting up what I'll call information booths and roadside attractions along that customer journey to drive people to the website where they're more likely to convert. Now, I know that hospitality is a big umbrella. So something that's an event venue is probably the website is more important maybe than a restaurant where a lot of times people may make a decision without ever visiting the restaurant website. But I do think that we really need to figure out what the customer journey looks like. And when they do get to our website or other platform that we answer all the questions that they're going to have, making it easier for them to complete the customer journey and choose us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, so before I worked at a long time ago, before I worked at triple Seat or any other marketing job, I worked in marketing for a hospitality group. I was an event manager and a marketing director. And that was in the days of like, I mean, like my space. So <laughs> <laughs> things are I'm a looking little... at you
2: you are not old
1: enough to I have been am. marketing I on. really appreciate that um but I am and okay. um it's it's funny to think about because I mean so much has changed since then obviously but like w- like our marketing initiatives were I mean like I would like literally walk into into businesses in downtown Boston and hand out flyers to like secretaries. Like you could walk right into any building in Boston at that time and just like hand out flyers. And we did like lots of like direct mail and um, email still, but like, you know, we use like, I think it was the very beginning of MailChimp maybe, but it was like, you know, like some, it was like a, like a very obscure, not easy to use like email platform that, so many bounces and like we could barely track things and it was interesting now because of you know how much more restaurants and venues event venues and um, hotels can do that's different you know from absolutely from the days the days of war (laughs) that kind of goes into like the next question that I had is that like many restaurants even today they don't utilize paid advertising through Google um, Google Analytics school ads or, or, you know, any platform for that matter, I think a lot of times because they think that it's going to cost a fortune or especially now because there's so many places that are understaffed that they just don't have the bandwidth to take it on or they don't have yeah. the understanding to take it on. And I think a lot of people are under the impression that they have to hire an SEO you know, marketing person or someone just for this piece of marketing. Um, and I think it scares them a little bit. So from your point of, point of view, are there any tactics or minor adjustments that you can suggest to our mainly our SMB customers or so our smaller mid-market customers um, that might help them ease into SEO and in, in marketing online?
2: So for restaurants when it comes to SEO, so we're talking about search engine optimization, this is the organic side we're not paying for this. If I owned a restaurant, I would be focused on my less my local SEO above all else because when we do searches Google is looking for our intent and restaurants are almost always have a local intent. So I'm looking I'm going to be searching for Italian restaurant near me or Boston bagel shop or whatever it may be uh, Google is going to show that local pack, that map with the three results and then the link. So most everybody who does a search for a restaurant, whether it's a type of restaurant or by name, they're gonna get that local pack. So I'm gonna focus all my attention on that. And the biggest first thing that you need to do, if you haven't done this already, is claim your Google business profile, formerly known as Google My Business, take ownership of it, prove that it's yours, and then fill it out completely, hours, Photos, videos, all that sort of stuff. Second thing is you want to get a constant stream of positive reviews. You can either do that manually or do that with some piece of software that will help you um, automate some of that as well. Uh, And the third thing would be to make sure that your website is optimized for local results, whether you have one shop or multiple shops. If you have multiple shops, every shop, every retail space should have its own own page on the website with information, photos from that place, talk about the surrounding neighborhood or area, all that sort of detail, it does make a difference. You do that and you're going to be much more likely to get found on those searches when it comes to SEO for restaurants. It's much
1: more simple than people think it is. I mean, it takes a lot. It takes some time. But the
2: beginning is- of it is simple. Yeah. And then depending on how competitive your industry is, that's where yeah. you may have to bring in somebody or have extra expertise or just put more effort yeah. into it.
1: Agreed. That's a good answer thanks welcome
0: (laughs) so another thing about so talking about like branding as a whole with restaurants so One thing that is unique and special about restaurants is that they can become like a key staple within a a neighborhood and local community, like all the ones that you listed in Portland, they bring people together. And this often starts with the restaurant building a brand that they put out into the world that people grow to then love. So what do you think are some of the components from a marketer's perspective that make up a strong brand and bring people back to a business like a restaurant?
2: Well, there's certainly things like logo, and some of the things that you're known for. I actually do another presentation called the Remarkability Formula. And I talk a lot about how every business can be remarkable using these four lenses. You can find out what's already remarkable about your business, or you can create something new. But I will say that although branding is important, especially in a competitive industry like restaurants can be, my number one concern is to make sure that the experience that the customers have is going to be excellent because no matter how much money you pour into your branding, which for restaurants also can include the whole atmosphere within the restaurant, you know, everything from the chandelier choices to the names of the mixed drinks and everything like that. Um, if people don't enjoy themselves, if they don't feel they got value for their money, whatever that means to them, if they don't have a good experience um, and if the food's not very good, it doesn't make a difference how good your brand is. So the quality of the experience, the quality of the food, the quality of the atmosphere, the quality of the service, those all go into your brand. And yes, you could be a Dick's Last Resort type restaurant where your uh, servers insult uh, the people coming in the door. Mm -hmm. And as long as they're expecting that, or they think that's funny, that's great. It won't be for everybody, but it's about being consistent with that brand. So... Yes. I I mean, as a branding agency, I'd love to say you should spend all this money on a logo and all this, that, and the other thing that is part of it, but really you need to think about what is the experience you're giving customers? What are they going to tell other people? What are they going to post to Yelp or TripAdvisor or just a Facebook to let their friends know about this experience they have? Um, Those are some of the most critical things. And those are things that you absolutely can control. Yeah,
1: it's so true. And it's also like, if you build that brand and people love you and they continue to come back, then they'll do the marketing for you in the end. Right. So absolutely. So important.
2: There was a restaurant that's no longer here in Portland for years. Uh, I won't name it because I don't want to insult anybody who loved the restaurant, but the restaurant was not very good. Like I came up here without any. So, and I'm just like, this is some of the most generic Italian food I've ever had in my entire life, but people loved it. Um, And the bottom line is that was part of their brand. They were like a homey, you know, uh, kind of middle of the road Italian place, but that's where families went and that's what they were known for. And people loved it. And when it closed, people were heartbroken. And so that shows a good brand. The food may have been very mediocre, but it meant a lot to the people who went there, like, you know, every Friday night or every Sunday for some sort of family dinner.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. There's a million of those restaurants in New England.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Italian ones that that aren't that great that people adore.
2: Right. Because <laughs> okay. it's the experience. Restaurants are about food secondary. And experience yeah. first, yeah. and it's like we all know that we sometimes will go into a restaurant and we're just already in a sour mood, and no matter what happens, we're just not going to have a good time in that restaurant, or you know, or vice versa. I've gone to restaurants where the service hasn't been great and the food's been only okay, but I'm with a great group of friends or family that I care about. And my experience in that restaurant is exceptional. So, you know, that's just part of what the challenge of running a restaurant is. It's
1: Just one challenge. Just, just one of many. One of many. And I think too, like, especially like I have two kids and they're young. So it's, you know, that adds to like, I love food and I love really good restaurants. And I like to spend money on food, but I also really just like to go to the 99s with my two kids. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it just depends, I guess, on the situation. Um, And what
2: your kids enjoy.
1: Yeah, exactly. That matters a lot because that means that I can enjoy.
2: When I was growing up, my dad was we very busy, um, but every other Wednesday, he would take either me or my brother out for dinner. And I always went to the ground round, which there oh. are very few of still. Um, but back then you could actually throw your, they would give you a big bucket of peanuts and you could throw That's your really shells cool. on the floor. Like it was part of the vibe there. Um, yeah. I think for sanitary reasons, they no longer <laughs> allow that, but it was like this awesome thing. And it was really like, that was the vibe of the restaurant. It was very cool. Plus did well- miss Pac-Man.
1: And you could weigh yourself and pay your weight when you were a kid. Was oh, that- I don't remember really?
2: that. Yeah, that sounds yes. right. Yeah.
1: But that was also kind of embarrassing at times if you are a larger kid. Like that might right. be, you know, but yeah, my parents loved taking us there because you just pay your weight. It was great. That's for I- kids. <laughs> um, anyways, all right. So um let's move on to maybe some social media, right? So when it comes to social media, um, we see and then advise our customers that Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Are the three most important and popular and beneficial platforms for restaurants to focus on when choosing um, where to prioritize their time on social media? So, would you agree with this for the hospitality industry? And then, do you have other best practices or lessons learned um, on social media from clients that you've worked with?
2: I think that those three are definitely three strong ones, but ultimately, the sad answer is it depends. So, uh, Facebook and Instagram, I can't imagine that those wouldn't be powerful. TikTok, it really depends on the audience you're going after. And yes, I realize I'm kind of like on the older side, but my girlfriend is uh, probably, you know, like a, a super TikTok user and she's on that platform for she four hours a day, it seems like, right? So for her, that would be a great platform to get in front of her. For me, not so much. So I think it's just about knowing who your audience is and making sure you're you're there. Um, you know, and if you're a restaurant that does a lot of corporate events, well, I would make sure that I'm on LinkedIn too. So it really, you want to make sure that you're doing that kind of uh, social media marketing. And Twitter is an easy one to add into that mix if you have a little extra bandwidth. And there's some nice recipes from If This Then That that would actually post an Instagram photo natively up to Twitter, so it doesn't look like you're just reposting everything. Um, but those are some good platforms for sure for your organic uh, reach.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I'm looking for any restaurant, I'm I'm looking at all the different platforms most likely often before the website. So you're going to find your demographics in some form on one of these platforms every time.
1: Right. And I'm old. But- I go to the website.
0: <laughs> what I was going to
2: say, so it really depends. So for me, when I'm in a new city, and sometimes even locally, when I'm just brain dead, and I can't think where I want to eat, I turn to Yelp. And so I think, you know, like, I know that restaurants hate Yelp, or a lot of restaurants hate Yelp, and I understand all their frustrations. But it's not about whether you like or dislike a platform. If your customer's journey goes through Yelp, then you need to be aware of that. Does't mean you have to buy ads necessarily. In fact, I almost never click on an ad on Yelp. But the bottom line is you just have to be aware of how people are finding you or might find you. You need to you know, respond to reviews. This is one of the biggest things out there is responding to reviews, I think is a critical piece of this. Um, and also if you are on Yelp or if you know that your audience is coming through Yelp um, or Google, you need to make sure that that information is updated. And just as a side note, we had a company retreat at my house yesterday where we, you know, kind of talking about, you know, like the first half of the year where we want to go from here. And I'm not going to name them, but there was a, there's a great local sandwich shop. And I said, oh, this is where we're going to grab our our meals. We called up that day. They don't answer. They don't answer. I'm on Yelp. It says they're open. I'm on Google. It says they're open. I'm on their website. It says they're open. Then it turns out there's a second website for the first iteration of this restaurant that mentions there may be summer hours. Like obviously they wouldn't have opened up just for nine sandwiches. Right. But at the same time, my level of frustration for them went up. And so it's one of these things where it's like, that's a real missed opportunity. And not that I would have chosen there, but it would have had, I'd have a better vibe about that, that restaurant. So this is another important thing as you're thinking about where you want to be online.
1: Yeah. That's a really important thing to mention because especially now I see it locally and, you know, especially is that restaurants that I'm used to going to on like Monday nights or something that now they're closed because they don't have the staff for a Monday night and it happens
2: Tuesday night.
1: Yeah. Or any, really any night but a weekend. Right. So it's, it's important. That's a really great point to update it and update it everywhere because you never know where your your clientele is is going to be looking for to find Absolutely. out or not. And if things change like randomly like that, there's one place in near where I live that we go to a lot, and they're having staffing issues, and they are very good about posting like on Facebook, Instagram, their website, like everywhere. Right. So um, it's you know it is really important, and it can take time, but it makes a difference.
2: Right. And I also think you want to think about like, are you, and I'm not saying that any of these are good or bad ideas. I'm just saying that these are things you need to consider. Like, for example, if it's last minute in Portland, Maine, I have to go to resi or open table to get a table. Cause I know it's in Portland, Maine on a Friday or a Saturday night, I'm going to be waiting for hours if I just show up and if I don't have a reservation. So if you're the kind of restaurant that often has some availability then maybe you want to think about a third-party tool which one's most popular in your area like i was vacationing in canada Almost nobody's on resi in the entire eastern part of Canada, it seemed like, but people were using open table. So if we were scrambling for a table at the last minute, we would often take a look at that because I'm not going to spend half an hour going through every website that comes up on Yelp or something else to see if they're open and then to go to the website and then to call for reservation. So think about those paths that are going to lead people to you, whether you're a restaurant or a venue or whatever, and make sure that you are there in some way.
0: Do you ever, so this is another little like thing that we talk about sometimes internally when we're giving advice is when it comes to like, you're during your search for a restaurant and you run, you're looking either on their website or social media pages and you see bad photography does that ever get to you in your your selection it's like for when you we're looking us. for recommendations of like <laughs> food or literally anything if you have blurry photos or just like doesn't even have to always be professional but that's something we run into and so we try to give some best practices to our own customers to make sure that those photos are up to date showing your new menu items sharing that to the world so that they know what they can expect another way of showing what the experience would look like before you're arriving at the restaurant itself
2: So yeah, no, no cruddy pictures. Let's be honest. I mean, that's just such a turnoff. Also photos that obviously were taken from Adobe stock photography and not actually photos of your food. That's another huge pet peeve for me because, and I think a lot of people, it's like, if I'm going to go to the website and I'm going to go through your images, it's because I want to know what the experience is going to be like, especially if this is my first time there. Is this a place where I'm going to be able to go to the bar? Is this a place where it's a romantic getaway? Is this a place that's, you know, I can you know, bring my kids? You know, these are the kind of things I want to know up front. And also like, you know, I I get a caesar salad almost everywhere I go. Well, how do you prepare your caesar salad? Like, I may want to see if you do it in a, a really interesting way or something like that. So, I'm not saying you have to reveal all secrets because I'm sure some restaurants get by on mystique but Mm -hmm. I think the vibe should be there. And yes, professional photos, hire a local photographer. If you can't afford one, go to your local community college. They have a photography course. There's somebody who's going to do it for school credit or beer money. Get something done that looks as good as it possibly can be. And then you can repurpose those images in other places like your social media, email marketing campaigns, and what have you.
1: And really there's no... There's no excuse these days because like your phone has a camera that's better than the cameras we used to carry around in person. hundred
2: percent. Yeah. <laughs> so know? I think it's just like about learning a few things about lighting and how to position things and yeah. stuff like that. It makes a huge, huge difference for sure.
0: Yeah. And tap into those Gen Z people on your restaurant staff and they'll make some videos and, and photos for you off the cup too.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I absolutely. If you can if you have somebody on your team who's already like creating for TikTok for themselves, like maybe you just say, hey, listen, can you do like a TikTok for me, you know, every day that you're in or something like that? See if it moves the needle and just be willing to give that person a little breathing space to build up an audience for you. Don't expect that first video is going to go viral because it never will um, unless something horrible goes, you know, <laughs> happens while on camera. So just like let that person play with it for a little while. And, and as long as they understand your brand and they have some talent probably only good things will come
0: from it good advice (laughs) that's Um, what i'm here for (laughs) so we listened change changing gears a bit here so we listened to your episode from the end of june on web three and it's a topic that we've talked about on the podcast a little bit and just are interested in and we're actually going to mention a little bit out of end camp too um And just so we want to pick your brain a little bit on your thoughts on Web3 and if there's a place for it in the hospitality and events industry. So have you been introducing Web3 to your clients quite yet? And then again, after that, I guess the hospitality industry too.
2: So I have started talking about it. You mentioned on my podcast, Agents of Change, I did an episode on Web3. um, And I actually just did a TV segment on Web3 as well, just kind of explaining the concepts. I've not really introduced it to any of our clients because I don't think the clients we have right now would benefit from it. Now, when I when you use the term Web3, not everybody agrees with what is Web3 or Web 3.0, but the big tenants here are artificial intelligence, blockchain, uh, privacy, uh, and decentralization. Those are some of the big things that people talk about and the semantic web, which is computers understanding human language. Um, so those are all key things. If I'm running a restaurant or even if I'm running a venue, um, I don't know that this is where I'd be putting my energy right now Mm -hmm. because running a restaurant coming out of a pandemic where there's often razor thin margins, Mm -hmm. I just don't know how much bandwidth I would have as a restaurant owner. If you find it interesting, then sure subscribe to a web 3.0 uh, podcast or, or YouTube channel or something, learn a little bit, see if there's something you can do. I think there might be some opportunity for some novelty marketing that would then get you written up uh, in a local newspaper or covered by a local TV station, you know, NFTs, which I, I poo-pooed for so long. Um, and I still kind of do yeah. when we're thinking about just like uh just like some tweet that somebody turned into an NFT that I think that's ridiculous, but (laughs) there is, there are use cases for using NFTs that kind of move into the real world. So if you've sold, you know, I'm thinking there's a restaurant up here, a hunt in alpine that i believe started off more as a membership you anybody could go there but there was a membership that you would get certain benefits well if you turn that into an nft and sold the, that membership as an nft and let's say you sold it for a thousand dollars or whatever it would be you know to help you get off the ground or do something you want to do in your restaurant and that gave people special benefits and they could prove that they had this then they could resell it to somebody else maybe because they move away they sell it for say five thousand dollars well you would still get 10% of that sale in every sale afterwards. That's intriguing to me. Like that's a way that maybe a regular business might start using Web3 and in this case, NFTs. Not only that, if you were the first in your neighborhood to do that and you called up you know, your local NBC or ABC affiliate and said, hey, this is what's going on. They'd send a camera crew down there and all of a sudden you get all this publicity. So even if you're doing it just to get that secondary publicity, yeah, then it might be something that would be valuable.
1: We've heard of like, we had, um, she's actually going to be at event camp as well. Alicia Shiro was talking on the podcast a couple months ago and she was talking about restaurants, um, that started, you know, that started that way. And then now they're building brick and mortar uh, Mm -hmm. restaurants. They were memberships to begin with, um, and, you know, only lived in the metaverse and then now are going to become actual restaurants. So it's just, it's interesting I'm not there yet. My brain's not there yet, but- um, I
2: don't think that's a long-term success strategy. I think that's something where right in the moment you can take advantage of it, but that moment may have already passed. Right. It really depends on where you are. Like if you're in the middle of nowhere and you do this, then maybe you're the first in your your area to do it, then it might be interesting. But if other people are already doing this, then I don't think that's going to be really valuable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it could be remarkable, but as soon as somebody else in your industry or neighborhood have done it, then it's not remarkable anymore. It has like a shelf life of one use. Yeah. So.
1: It's certainly not remarkable in New York City anymore, I don't think.
2: (laughs) No, no, not at all. So it really just, it's one of those things where it depends. So, And there may be some other things that people could tap into with with the metaverse or Web3. But again, it's kind of like make sure you're taking care of all the other stuff first and then start experimenting with some of these things.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I guess we'll just kind of have to keep following along with it and see where it has its place. If it does further down the line in the events world, we were we saw as another example, like big like metaverse fashion shows that were taking place, and that was like a whole other realm that isn't really applicable to our smaller restaurant customers. But it's interesting right. to see all the the tech changes.
1: And maybe we'll eat our words in a few years, right? <laughs>
2: maybe we'll eat our words by the time we see everybody at event camp. Quite honestly, yeah. <laughs> I mean things I know, do change. You're right. And there may be a case study or somebody comes up with an app that makes it really easy for restaurants to start offering some sort of NFTs yeah. to their customers. I think for me, the most interesting thing is NFTs, which are obviously started off as a completely digital thing, but now are evolving into the real world. Yeah. That to me is where it starts to get interesting and where I can start to see case studies where, okay, small businesses, medium-sized businesses could really use this to grow and to build loyalty and community as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. We shall see.
0: <laughs> um. All right. Well, I think that was our final question. Um. Of the episode, unless Kate, we had anything else. Um. To include in here.
1: No, just a reminder that everyone should, if they haven't yet, purchase their tickets for event camp, so you can come meet Rich live and in person. Um, Absolutely. Along with Rachel and I, because you know we're famous. So. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can purchase tickets at Triple Seat. C- eventcamp.com.
0: Is that right? Is that the right? Yeah.
1: It is. is. Look at that. I've been telling people it's triple seat.com slash eventcamp. So
0: well you're wrong, Kay. <laughs> maybe they both work. I don't
1: know. Maybe both, maybe it's like a redirect. Now I gotta look at that more. So anyways, <laughs> listen to Rachel, not me. It's triple com And it's on September 13th. It's a Tuesday at the stateroom in Boston. And tickets are actually selling out fast. So get your tickets now.
2: And by the way, you're both right. They both end up in the same place. So there There's you go.
1: was kind of been a redirect at some point. We probably had two different ones. And, you know, marketing, it's tough.
0: Yeah. Marketing.
1: <laughs> it's hard to keep track
0: of. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rich. This was awesome. We appreciate it. And we're so excited to see you live in just a it was few weeks. Great.
2: It was great meeting you guys virtually. I do look forward to meeting you in person. Anybody else who's coming to event camp. So yeah, and also- to that.
1: Um, we should, we'll plug your podcast as well. So check out, we did, but we'll put it in the show notes as well, but check out Rich's podcast episode 450 this week, but <laughs> very impressive. Agents of change. Definitely check that out. So, Thanks thank so you much.
0: we'll talk thank- to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Two Chicks, Three Seats,
1: your events industry podcast brought to you by Triple Seat, the industry leader for event management software.
0: Find out more about Triple Seat at TripleSeat.com.